In this episode of The Story of the Six, Guru Hargobind, the sixth guru, chooses a successor. The seventh guru attracts the attention of the Mughal emperor, and once again, a son proves to be treacherous. I'm co-producer Erica Wong. Before we begin, we have a favor to ask of you. If you find this work compelling, please be sure to rate it and write a short review. That will definitely help us get the podcast to a wider audience. The Battle of Kartarpur, in which Bende Khan met his end, and the might of the Mughals was tested by the Sikhs, was still several years away. Guru Hargobind summoned his oldest son, Baba Gurditta. It is time for you to travel to the mountains, my son. Go seek out a beloved Sikh of Guru Nanak. His name is Buddhan Shah, and he lives on a ridge close to the peak of the Kahlur mountain. There, you shall establish a new town. And when it is ready, I will visit you and of course, Buddhan Shah, who is an extraordinary man. Let me tell you his story. Many years ago, Guru Nanak Sahib and Pai Mardanna happened to reach Buddhan Shah's home in the mountains. There, they saw a most remarkable sight. Buddhan Shah had two goats who kept him supplied with fresh milk, but instead of taking care of his goats himself, the holy man had a pet lion whose job it was to mind the goats. The lion, upon beholding Guru Nanak Sahib, saluted him respectfully, which Buddhan Shah took to be a sign that the Guru was divinely blessed. The Guru stayed with Buddhan Shah for a few days, who sought his spiritual guidance and became his devout follower. When it was time for the Guru to leave, Buddhan Shah milked his goats and placed a pail of milk before the Guru. The Guru drank half of it and returned the other half to Buddhan Shah, telling him to keep it in his memory. Buddhan Shah was perplexed. How will the milk keep, O Guru? he asked in puzzlement. The milk will keep, as will you. You shall await the arrival of my beloved Sikh, the Guru said, before he left. The years passed. The throne of Guru Nanak passed from master to master, and to this day, Buddhan Shah waits patiently for Guru Nanak's prophecy to be fulfilled. Go, my son, for it is you that he is waiting for. Ever the dutiful son, Baba Gurditta, along with his young son Tirmal and his wife Mata Neti, 
left for the mountains to seek out Buddhanshah. As he climbed higher and higher, Baba Gurditta felt his heart fill with joy at the beautiful vistas he beheld. His delight grew when he chanced upon a meadow in which grazed a herd of sheep under the watchful eye of a lion. Buddhan Shah greeted Baba Gurditta with great joy, and when he learned who he was, he fetched the half-filled pail of milk. Baba Gurditta smiled and said, I am merely the servant. This milk belongs to my father, the Guru. He has sent me here to build a new town, and when it is ready, he will come and visit us both. Buddhan Shah offered land to Baba Gurditta and proclaimed, The town will be built here, just as my Guru had commanded. Baba Gurditta chose a tract of land at the bottom of the hill where Buddhan Shah lived and started to build. This story of the creation of Kiratpur, the new town that Baba Gurditta built on the banks of the Satluj, comes from Ashtguru Chamatkar by Pai Veer Singh. Baba Gurditta and Mata Neti began to live in Kiratpur. There, a son was born to them in the year 1630. Gurditta sent a messenger to inform the Guru and invite him to Kiratpur on the joyful occasion, but the Guru had more pressing matters to attend to at the time. He opened the Guru Granth Sahib and gave Baba Gurditta's child the name Har Rai and promised to visit Kiratpur. The years passed. Buddhan Shah continued to wait patiently for the Guru to come visit him. Tirmal, Baba Gurditta's older son, went back to Kartarpur, where the Guru was, and began to nurse ambitions to become the next Guru after his grandfather. Then came Pandey Khan's rebellion and the Battle of Kartarpur, during which, as we learned in the last episode, Tirmal showed his true colors. After his victory at Kartarpur, the Guru decided that finally it was time to visit Buddhanshah, and he asked his beloved Bidhichand to make arrangements for the trek to the mountains. The Guru's entire household accompanied him, with the exception of Tirmal, who was too ashamed to show his face to his grandfather after his treachery. Besides, Tirmal was hatching new plans. It was his intention to seize the Guru's property, most notably the Guru Granth Sahib, whose significance he well understood. Bidhichand got wind of Tirmal's nefarious plans and warned the Guru, who simply asked Bidhichand to ignore the young man. He is another Pirthichand, the Guru said cryptically, 
referring to his uncle who had openly lusted after the throne of Gurnanak and had never accepted his younger brother's ascension until the day he died. When the time comes, the Guru said, the Guru Granth Sahib shall be restored to its rightful owners. The Guru proceeded to meet Buddhan Shah and bless him, who upon meeting the sixth Nanak sought permission to leave the world. The Guru went on to Kiratpur, where he decided to take up residence. Kiratpur became an important center of the Sikh faith. The Guru was to spend his remaining years there. In the meantime, Tirmal remained in Kartarpur, claimed all of the Guru's possessions, and started to swagger around as if he were Guru himself. Deep inside, however, he was a coward and feared that the Emperor Shah Jahan might try to avenge the Mughal defeat at Kartarpur. He sent a conciliatory letter to the Emperor blaming Guru Hargobind for the death of the Mughal soldiers and pledging fealty, hoping perhaps that the emperor could be instigated to attack his grandfather again, clearing the way for his own succession. The courtier Vizir Khan, who had always been a loyal follower of Guru Arjun's and then Guru Hargobind's, intercepted the letter and intervened, counseling the emperor to bury the hatchet. Shah Jahan, Wearied by the conflicts of Amritsar and Kartarpur, and convinced of the Guru's divine powers, decided to follow Wazir Khan's advice and leave the Guru alone. In 1638, Baba Gurdatta passed away. The Guru sent a messenger to Kartarpur to fetch Tirmal and the Granth Sahib, the Guru decreed that the Guru Granth Sahib be read for the benefit of Baba Gurdutta's soul and that Tirmal be present to receive a turban after his father's death in token of succession to his property and position. Tirmal, who expected everyone to be as twisted as he was, said to himself, If I leave the land and money which I already have to go to the Guru for a mere turban, Everyone will think me a fool. I have the Granth Sahib and I will keep it. He then addressed the messenger. My father is not in Kiratpur. He is dead. To whom shall I go? I will myself have the Guru Granth Sahib read here for my dead father. I do not wish to leave my property in charge of servants. My younger brother Har Rai is with the Guru. The turban may be bound on him. What business do I have in Kiratpur? The messenger retorted, You are still young, and a subject of your grandfather, the Guru. It is your duty to obey him. Come by all means with the Guru Granth Sahib to the Guru. Leave your property in charge of your servants who are trustworthy. You may return freely and take charge of your property again. Stop being greedy and arrogant and obey the command of the Guru. Dhirmal retorted, Sunat Dhirmal gira bakhani, Maito ur nirne kar jani, 
गुरते कछु हाथ रहे हैं मुंह पर तरकन अनिक उठे हैं तहां गए ते ग्रंथ मंगाए तब हम छूछे ही रह जाए ग्रंथ निकट ते गुर में अहे सब संगत ते पूजा लहे क्यों गुरु को गुर नह बने तिन डिग जाऊं ना मैं सच भने द ट्रेचरस लैड धीरमल नाउ स्पेक I know the course that I shall take to give to me the guru has not cast on me he many a blot if I go there I lose the book become shall I a piteous rook with the book I am the king they genuflect and praises sing why should I go and lose all this the summons I therefore dismiss Dhirmal felt confident that the alliance with Shah Jahan would secure the throne of Guru Nanak for him after Guru Hargobind's passing. Furthermore, he had the Guru Granth Sahib in his possession, and after all, he was the Guru's eldest grandson. His mother, Mata Neti, much perturbed by his disobedience, decided to leave her son's home and traveled back to Kiratpur with the messenger. The sorry tale of Tirmal's avarice and intransigence was conveyed to the Guru. Sona Satguru tu shanahi rahe, kutala maha prithiya samalahe. The Guru spoke quiet and sad, verily a prithi chand this lad. The young Harai stood in for his elder brother and discharged the duties of an older son with dignity and grace. as baba gurditta was laid to rest bai biddichand had made a partial copy of the guru granth sahib and it was read in lieu of the original which tirmal had refused to part with Guru Hargobind knew that his end was approaching and soon it would be time to name a successor. Baba Gurditta who had been capable in every way was no more and Baba Atal his precocious son who had shown such promise was long gone. The guru had three other sons Surajmal, Anirai and Tyagmal who was now known as Teg Bahadur. Surajmal was polished and intelligent and executed all the secular duties assigned to him perfectly. However, he did not seem to be blessed with the spiritual light that was essential to the guruship. Anirai was very spiritual but did not possess the leadership qualities that the next guru would surely need. Teg Bahadur showed great promise, but he had become a veritable recluse. who seemed disinterested in all worldly affairs when teg bahadur's mother petitioned the guru on his behalf he advised her to be patient 
he is a guru of gurus and has the capacity to endure the unendurable, he has already obtained deep divine knowledge and has rid himself of all worldly attachments. He is destined for greatness, but his time has not yet come. The Guru saw great promise in Har Rai, his young grandson, and made him his constant companion, imparting spiritual and worldly knowledge to him. Har Rai was extremely kind, solicitous, and courteous. One day he approached his grandfather on horseback and quickly dismounted to greet him. The lad was magnificently dressed in a flowing robe, favored by nobility made of 101 components. As he was walking towards the guru, the robe billowing in the wind broke and crushed several flowers. The sensitive lad, quite distraught at the damage he had caused, had tears in his eyes. The guru comforted him and cautioned him to always be mindful and be tender to all living things, pleased by the purity of the lad's heart. The end of Guru Hargobind's journey was approaching. He abandoned all mundane affairs and distributed his personal property to those he felt best deserved it and needed it. He commanded his masands or deputies to collect as many Sikhs as they could in a great gathering at Kiratpur. The Guru summoned Tirmal as well, who at first refused to attend. I am effectively the Guru already. I rule in Kartarpur unmolested. The Guru Granth Sahib is in my possession. And furthermore, the Emperor is my friend. Why on earth would I go to Kiratpur? The Guru clearly favors my younger brother. His mother prevailed upon him to go, saying that he had both a right to be by his grandfather's side as he departed, and an obligation as well, being the oldest grandson. She assured him that the Guru would not strip him, either of the Granth Sahib or his estates, and that he would earn the respect of the Sikhs if he was seen at his grandfather's side. Tirmal left for Kiratpur, thinking that he might have an opportunity to make a renewed case for his succession. The Guru received Tirmal with great kindness and affection. Tirmal, true to form, behaved arrogantly and declared to the Guru that he had patched up the quarrel between him and the Emperor Shah Jahan, thus ensuring that the Guru lived out his last years at peace in Kiratpur. His arrogance only served to convince Guru Hargobind even more firmly that his oldest grandson would never be capable of leading the faith. When Guru Hargobind did not emerge from his private apartments for three days, Tirmal decided that it was time to make his move. With the backing of several masands, no doubt having promised them rich rewards, he had a throne erected and covered with a canopy, upon which the foolish young man seated himself, reclining against an ostentatiously large cushion, and declared himself the new guru. 
He directed one of his servants to stand behind him, wielding a yak-tail whisk, another symbol of royalty or the guruship. Soon a crowd gathered, many Sikh bearing gifts and offerings for Tirmal, much to his delight. After a successful day's work, Tirmal appeared on his throne again in the evening, accompanied by a few attendants and some of the renegade masands, eager to cement his hold further and collect more offerings. This time, however, things went a little differently, for a band of the Guru's faithful Sikhs had arrived. The poet Santok Singh describes what happened next. Sang masand aparnar jai dai gar ar mare tei ketak ki pagya gir pari ketak palaye gaye tis ghari Chheen chamar so dayo bagaye dur kareo updhan uthaye taraj taraj bahu barjan kare mara ketak jan ke kar dhare Satgur achat aap ban bethe ठगो सिख हित दर्व इकट्ठे बहर जे बैठे करे पखंड मुश्के बांध देह बहु डंड हुकम गुरु को मिट है नाही संकट सह कदे के माही इत्यादक बहु कर अपमाना धीर माल सो बहर बखाना जे निज भला चहो चढ़ जावो नत अपमान कष्ट को पावो हुकम गुरु को थिरन है रहिए अब ही उठ मारग को लहिए लाखीज एंड द रेनेगेट चीफ्स असेल विद एंग्री वर्ड्स एंड ब्लोस हेल्टर स्केल्टर डिसअरे टू फ्ली ईच वन नाउ ग्रेट हेस्ट शोस विस्क इज स्नैच्ड एंड थ्रोन अवे एंड फ्लाइंग डस द पिलो गो इन मेनी वेज दे आर रिब्यूक्ड set upon with kick and blow you dare usurp the guru's throne and his loving followers cheat if you dare to keep this up limbs enchained you will be beat the guru's word is set in stone in a cell you will be cast with such words the angry six foolish usurper they did blast mount your horse and go away save yourself from shame and pain banishment has been decreed be gone show not your face again dhirmal slunk back to kartarpur quietly There was a large assembly of the faithful in Kiratpur. Guru Hargobind seated his young grandson Har Rai on the throne of Guru Nanak. Baba Budda, who had applied the saffron mark on the head of every guru after Guru Nanak, was no more. The honor went to his son Pai Pana. Guru Hargobind made a ceremonial offering to the young Guru Har Rai and bowed before him. and thus the tradition started by gurunanak continued a new guru had been anointed 
Guru Har Rai had a question for his grandfather. The Emperor Shah Jahan has been quiet for many years now. But if he moves against the Sikhs again, how am I to respond? Nobody shall prevail against you, was the reply, for the Divine is by your side. However, you shall always keep 2,200 mounted soldiers by your side at all times. Guru Hargobind left the world in 1645 after a highly eventful reign that lasted almost 38 years. As the young Guru Har Rai began his reign, his uncle Teg Bahadur, obeying the late Guru Hargobind's final instructions, left for Bakala, where his grandmother, Mata Ganga, had breathed her last. The new Guru lived a peaceful life in Kiratpur, tending to his flock with great affection. Thousands of Sikhs flocked to see him, and he treated rich and poor alike. He was simple in his habits, and insisted that no dainty dishes be placed before him. Like his grandfather, he was fond of the chase and would often go on hunts accompanied by a detachment of his mounted soldiers. He would bring back captured animals from his hunts and built a zoological garden, much to the delight of his Sikhs. Meanwhile, trouble was brewing in the Mughal court. The Emperor Shah Jahan had four sons, Dara Shikoh, Shuja Muhammad, Aurangzeb, and Murad Baksh. Dara Shikoh, an urbane, polished, and highly tolerant man, was heir apparent and his father's favorite. His brother Aurangzeb, however, was highly ambitious and coveted his father's throne. Jealous of his oldest brother, Aurangzeb poisoned him and Dara Shikoh fell dangerously ill. The royal physicians suggested a remedy that proved impossible to find anywhere. Shah Jahan was informed that the remedy might be available at Kiratpur. Sick with worry, the Emperor Shah Jahan petitioned the Guru, expressing regret at the animosity that had existed between the late Guru Hargobind and himself, and requesting that the remedy be made available to save his son's life. Without a moment's hesitation, the Guru commanded that the remedy be sent. Dara Shikoh recovered fully, and the Emperor was ecstatic and grateful. On a visit to the Malwa region of Punjab, Guru Har Rai was visited by two brothers, Kala and Karamchand, who were having great difficulty with a powerful rival tribe who would simply not let them live in peace. The Guru sent for the chief of the tribe and tried to reason with him without success. Finally, the Guru counseled the brothers to take a stand and fight. 
and with his blessing they prevailed. Kala came to visit the Guru to seek his blessings and express his thanks, bringing with him his two young nephews, Fool and Sandali. When Fool entered the Guru's presence, he placed his hand on his belly. The Guru, in puzzlement, asked Kala what that meant. He cannot speak, my Guru, was the reply. When he is hungry, he expresses himself by slapping his belly. The Guru, ever compassionate, smiled and blessed him, saying, This lad will never go hungry again. He shall grow up to be powerful, famous and wealthy. The steeds of his descendants shall drink the water of the Yamuna River. His clan will be blessed with sovereignty for generations. Fool went on to have six sons. From his eldest, Tilok Singh, descended the Rajas of Nabba and Jind. From his second, Ram Singh, descended the Maharaja of Patiala. Collectively, the kings became to be known as the Fulkia chiefs. As the Emperor Shah Jahan became old and weak, the battle for succession among his sons started to heat up. The favorite Dara Shikoh always stayed close to the aging emperor. Shuja Muhammad was the governor of Bengal in the east. Aurangzeb was governor of Deccan in the south, and Murad Baksh was governor of Gujarat in the west. Rumors started flying that the emperor had died and that Dara Shikoh was hiding his death for his own advantage and was acting in his name. The three younger sons of Shah Jahan rebelled and declared sovereignty in their own provinces. Dara Shikoh sent Raja Jaising, one of the Mughal commanders to the east, to quell Shuja Muhammad's rebellion, which he managed to do quite easily. Another general, Raja Jaswant Singh, was dispatched to the Deccan to bring Aurangzeb to heel. The wily Aurangzeb, however, had formed a pact with his brother Murad, promising him an equal share of the empire, and their combined army defeated Jaswant Singh's. Dara Shikoh led an army himself against his two brothers, but was defeated, and barely managed to escape with his life, making his way to the Punjab. Aurangzeb proceeded to Agra and imprisoned his father, the ailing Emperor Shah Jahan, who, contrary to the rumors of his demise, was still alive. Aurangzeb then turned on his brother Murad and had him executed. He then issued a decree that anyone helping his fugitive brother would face his wrath. Dara Shikoh decided to seek refuge with Guru Harai, who had very compassionately sent a remedy to cure him several years earlier. Darashiko hastened to Kiratpur, but was disappointed to learn that the Guru was not there. He was redirected to Kadur, where he met Guru Harai on the banks of the river Bias. Darashiko was an enlightened man like his great-grandfather Akbar, 
with a deep appreciation of both Hinduism and Islam, the Guru was much pleased with his spiritual knowledge and instructed him in Sikh spiritual thought. When Darashiko expressed anguish at his situation and the terrible war of succession that he was embroiled in with his brother, the Guru counseled him that there were times when it was righteous to pick up arms and go to war. He instructed him to go to Lahore, raise an army, seek the support of kings and chiefs in the region, and resist his brother. Dara Shiko was vigorously pursued by Aurangzeb's army. He fled from Lahore to Multan and then to Gujarat, where he was captured. He was pronounced a heretic for his liberal beliefs and dragged before the ulema. No less than 370 Muslim scholars condemned him and signed his death warrant. Only one scholar refused. His name was Sarmad, formerly a Jew from Kashan. He had emigrated to India several years earlier and had found a patron in the liberal Dara Shikoh. He was given to wearing humble clothes and preaching Islamic doctrines that were not in line with Aurangzeb's orthodoxy. His refusal to sign Darashiko's death warrant did not go unpunished. Three years later, Aurangzeb condemned, quote, the long-tongued unbeliever to death. Aurangzeb was now the uncontested Mughal emperor with sway over much of the Indian subcontinent. Guru Harai's meeting with Dara Shiko had not gone unnoticed. There were whisperings in the Mughal court about the Sikh Guru, who had provided support and encouragement to Aurangzeb's oldest brother, and who professed to and led a growing faith that was distinct from Islam. Aurangzeb sent a summons to the Guru, indicating that he had forgiven him for his support of his older brother, and demanding that he travel to his court. The guru courteously refused, writing that he was neither a vassal of Aurangzeb's, nor did he wish to receive anything from him. Much chagrined, Aurangzeb summoned his courtiers and commanded that the guru be arrested and dragged to Delhi in chains. Some of Aurangzeb's religious advisers suggested that he stay calm and continue to correspond with the Guru in a friendly manner. Aurangzeb acquiesced and wrote to the Guru again. He cited the friendly terms that Guru Amardas and Guru Ramdas had been on with his great-grandfather Akbar, and expressed a desire to understand the Guru's faith. After some deliberation, the Guru decided that he would not go and meet Aurangzeb, he had no business with him, and he knew him to be deceitful and treacherous. 
How could a man who had imprisoned his own father and murdered his own brothers be trusted? As the Guru was discussing this with his advisors, his son Ram Rai arrived. Ram Rai was of the opinion that summarily rejecting the summons would only incur the emperor's wrath, upon which the Sikhs suggested that he travel to Delhi and represent Guru Har Rai, being his oldest son. Always obedient, Ram Rai readily agreed. As the Guru was bidding his son farewell, he cautioned him that he would likely be questioned about the Guru Granth Sahib. The Emperor Jahangir had gone so far as to ask Guru Arjan to delete certain hymns that he had found offensive. Guru Arjan, of course, had refused, even though he had to suffer greatly as a result. Ram Rai was given clear instructions that he was to accept no criticism of the Guru Granth Sahib and he was to uphold the principles of Guru Nanak's faith. The emperor had summoned a panel of Islamic clerics to interrogate Ram Rai on the Sikh religion. The conversation inevitably turned to the Guru Granth Sahib. Ram Rai was asked if the Sikh scripture was in any way dismissive of the Islamic faith, and when Ram Rai insisted that it was not, the following hymn was read. A Muslim body that turns to dust morphs into clay for the potter's wheel. Bricks and pots fashioned from it, they will heat of the furnace feel. The clay it burns and burns and weeps as it meets ember and spark. O Nanak, all was made by him, the mystery none can fathom hark. The hymn made the point that religious differences were trivial in the eyes of the divine. The Hindus cremate their dead, while the Muslims bury theirs. Gurnanak was trying to explain that the remains of a buried Muslim may well find their way to a potter's wheel, and upon being fashioned into bricks or pots, would end up in the flames of a kiln or furnace. Thus... The distinction in the way that Hindus and Muslims dispose of their dead is effectively meaningless. While the hymn was really a powerful reiteration of the oneness of humankind, Aurangzeb had clearly taken offense and Ramrai was asked to explain. Fearing the emperor's wrath, Ramrai blurted out an explanation. It's a misprint, he said. An error on the part of the scribe. The word Musalman is really Bayman or scoundrel. What Guru Nanak meant to say was that the faces of scoundrels shall be blackened in both worlds. The emperor was much pleased and Ram Rai was rewarded handsomely. The Sikhs of Delhi were aghast. The Guru's son had done something unacceptable. He had altered the words of Guru Nanak to appease the emperor. Word quickly reached Guru Harai.
इम सुन श्री सतगुर हर राय सुत दिशते कछ रिस मन लियाए गुरता उचित नहीं शुभ लहयो भयो नलायक धीर न रहयो तुर्केश्वर को राख्यो मान शब्द विपरजे कीन बखान पहले पातशाह को बाख छेर सके को इन मत राख पीर मीर सिद्ध साधक बृंद जे अजमत को धरत बिलंद तिनके बचन सबन सिर धरे जो असमूढ़ तरक को करे औचक दंड मिले तिस ताई दुख ते दुख पावे सब थाई चक्रवर्त नृप जथा दुहाई नह माने जो कर दुष्टाई गुरु हर राय वेन ही हर्ड दिस फेल्ट हिज हार्ट विद एंगर फिल foolish and impulsive lad sit on this throne never will the mughal king he would appease with utterances false and vile the sacred words of the master first beggar which does dare defile saints and sages ascetics kings proud possessors glory great each word of theirs is set in stone save the foolish none debate unwittingly he'll pay the price for ever sorrow will he reap like a mighty king's decree aside will every scoundrel sweep deeply disappointed the guru made a tough decision kar kar kahun kahun bisram pur pahunchyo delhi pur dham ut hi bichre aavat jate मिलियो न कहो धन मन राते बड ऐश्वरज हेर कर फूला आशे सतगुर उरते भूला अब हमरे मुख लागे नाही रहे आप तुर्केश्वर पाही छोरो अब ते मेल हमारो कर ऐश्वरज को रहो सुखारो दरसे नह दरसावे दर्शन करे तुर्क लक्ष्मी जो स्पर्शन इत मुख कर इस देश न आवे उत ही बस कर बैस बितावे अपराधी श्री नानक केर हम सो नेर होए किस फेर एमलेस वंडरिंग्स मेनी अ स्टॉप द सिटी ऑफ दिल्ली हिज प्लेस ऑफ रेस्ट ही लिव्स देयर नाउ व्हाई शुड ही नॉट विथ मच वेल्थ ही हैज बीन ब्लेस्ड the opulence has made him vain he cares no more for the guru's heart let him stay away from me of the mughal's court he is part with him there will be no truck leave him to his life of ease my face never will he behold perhaps his wealth will his heart please banished he is from this land forever let that be his place dealt whom i master such a slight never again can i embrace when ramrai heard that the guru had disowned him he was initially shocked and saddened even remorseful but then he tried to put on a brave face he was now at the mughal court and enjoyed the emperor's favor surely he could wrest the throne of gurunanak by force once his father passed away eventually ram rai sought to reconcile with the guru 
But when his father showed no sign of forgiving him, he turned to his uncle Tirmal. In a letter to his uncle, he made a case for his own succession, pointing out that each time the guruship had been denied to the older son, who had the right to inherit his father's mantle, there had been strife and trouble. Tirmal, still smarting at being superseded, seized the opportunity to sow further strife in the Guru's family. With his mother's support, he started lobbying Guru Har Rai incessantly, pointing to the still unhealed wound of Prithichan's rejection by Guru Ramdas. He also issued a veiled threat, noting that both he and Ram Rai were on good terms with the Emperor Aurangzeb and would lodge a formal complaint against the Guru. The Guru was unmoved and unperturbed. As Guru Har Rai felt his end approaching, he summoned a great council of his followers. All the surviving descendants of the previous Gurus were invited as well. In their presence, his five-year-old son, Har Krishan was named the next Guru. Guru Har Rai completed his journey in 1661 after a reign that lasted close to 16 years. Guru Harkrishan was a precocious child, wise beyond his years and possessed of a calm and grave demeanor. Sikhs started flocking to Kiratpur to pay homage to the new Guru, much to the chagrin of his older brother Ram Rai, who still nursed ambitions to succeed to the throne of Guru Nanak. The corrupt Masands, who continued to follow him, counseled him to be patient. They suggested that Ram Rai declare himself Guru as well and spread the news far and wide. So what if a few continue to follow your brother, they said. Let him keep whatever offerings he gets. You will be acknowledged as the leader of the Sikhs. Ram Rai did as the Masands advised and proclaimed himself Guru just as his uncle Dhirmal had done earlier. The outcome was no more successful the Masands began to skim the rich offerings that the faithful brought to Ram Rai and enriched themselves, much to his frustration. Ram Rai decided to petition Emperor Aurangzeb. He claimed that he had been cheated out of his inheritance because of his closeness to the emperor and suggested that Guru Harkrishan be summoned to Delhi as well, just as Guru Har Rai had been. The crafty Aurangzeb saw an opportunity. One son of Guru Har Rai's is in my power already. If I summon the second son here, I might be able to buy his allegiance. If he resists, then I will have the two brothers fight until they destroy one another. 
he summoned one of his leading courtiers, Raja Jaising, a Hindu, and asked him to send a very respectful invitation to the new Sikh guru to visit the Mughal capital, Delhi. Raja Jaising had heard great praise of the young guru's spiritual depth and was very excited at the prospect of meeting him. The Sikhs of Delhi, who regarded Ram Rai with a jaundiced eye, were similarly delighted that their real guru might soon be amongst them. Raja Jaising, quite oblivious of the emperor's evil intentions, sent one of his subordinates to Kiratpur to issue the invitation. The invitation caused great consternation in Kiratpur. The guru's mother and the leading Sikhs had no doubt that Ram Rai was behind the summons and up to no good. Disregarding the summons was fraught with danger as well. Who knew what the emperor Aurangzeb might do if he was angered? Guru Harkrishan, when told that the Sikhs of Delhi were anxious for his presence, made a decision. I will go to Delhi, he announced. Not as a response to the emperor's summons, but at the invitation of my beloved Sikhs. Let it be known to Raja Jaising that I shall not attend court, as my father, before leaving us, had instructed me not to. I shall not have any truck with the emperor Aurangzeb. The young guru left Kiratpur for Delhi. Pandit Tara Singh Narottam was one of the first Sikh scholars who wrote detailed accounts of historical Sikh shrines in a work called Gurtirath Sangre. Pandit Tara Singh tells an interesting tale about a historical Gurdwara at Panjokhara near Ambala. When the young Guru arrived at Panjokhara on his way to Delhi, he was accosted by a haughty Brahmin named Lalji. You say you're a guru, he sneered, and your name is Harkrishan. As if you were greater even than Lord Krishna, who uttered the Bhagavad Gita. If you are so wise and enlightened, how about a discourse and a debate on the Bhagavad Gita? The guru looked at the arrogant Lalji a bit bemused and replied softly, I have not read the Gita, O Brahmin. But if I were to engage with you in a dialogue, you would still not be convinced. You would think that I am some rich man's son who had a private tutor expound the Gita to him. Why don't we go a different route? Bring to me someone you know is ignorant of the scriptures and vanquish him in a scholarly debate. After your victory, you may speak to me. The Brahmin, gleeful at the prospect of humiliating the young guru before his followers, summoned a humble water carrier named Chaju, 
who of course had no comprehension of the Bhagavad Gita or any other Hindu scripture. Guru Harkrishan blessed Chaju and said, You shall now debate Lalji. A lively discussion on theology and philosophy began between Chaju and Lalji and did not end until the proud Brahmin was completely vanquished. Lalji prostrated himself before the Guru and begged his forgiveness. Apocryphal tales such as this one abound in traditional accounts of the lives of the Gurus. It is recounted here for a couple of reasons. More than a hundred years after the passing of Guru Nanak, Brahmins still held sway over the lower castes through their jealously guarded knowledge of the Hindu scriptures. Egalitarian movements such as Sikhism continued to fight their influence, as is shown by numerous stories recounting meetings between the various gurus and arrogant Brahmins, stories that invariably ended with the pride of the Brahmins being humbled. The Guru was received with much fanfare in Delhi. Raja Jaising arrived barefoot to receive him, and the Emperor sent many expensive gifts along with an invitation to meet. The Guru once again politely declined, and instead spent his time receiving the Sikhs who thronged to see him. A smallpox epidemic was raging in Delhi, but that did not stop Guru Harkishan from tending to his flock. He made it a point to visit the sick and offer comfort. In a few days, his body started to burn with fever and he started to break out with pustules, a telltale sign of the disease. He decided to leave Raja Singh's palatial home where he had been accommodated and moved to a tent on the banks of the river Yamuna. A magnificent Gurdwara, Bangla Sahib, was later built on the site of Raja Singh's mansion in Delhi. Guru Harkishan showed great forbearance in the face of the illness, despite the pain and discomfort that he was in. It was apparent that the Guru's end was drawing near, Raja Jaising and several of the Guru's faithful Masands did not leave his side even for a minute. Gurbaksh, one of the Masands, entreated the Guru, asking him to hold on to his life for the sake of his flock. You are yourself a child. You must live to adulthood so that you have sons of your own. Do not leave us rudderless, O Guru. Who will lead us if you depart? Guru Harkrishan asked his Sikhs to shed their anxiety and seek comfort in the Guru Granth Sahib, reiterating that everything that lived always had to inevitably die. The anxiety of the Sikhs 
was not lessened by Guru Harkishan's words of comfort as they saw him getting weaker and more gravely ill. Once again, all the six gathered, and this time they asked him to name a successor. The Guru sent for a salver containing a coconut and five coins. He had them placed by his side. Almost completely devoid of strength, with great difficulty he waved his hand three times in the air in lieu of circumambulating his successor. As he prepared to breathe his last, the guru said in a firm voice, Baba Bakale, the guru will be found in the town of Bakala. The Story of the Six is written and narrated by Sarpreet Singh, author of the poem Kultar's Mime, which was adapted for the stage and tells the story of the massacre of the Six in Delhi in 1984. His second book, The Camel Merchant of Philadelphia, set in the court of Maharaja Ranjit Singh, was recently published. Both are available on Amazon. The Story of the Six is produced by Almast Media. Our theme music is a rendition of a traditional Sikh hymn by the late Bai Avtar Singh. This episode features a rendition of Rag Bihag on the Sorsingar by the well-known Indian classical maestro Joydeep Ghosh, recorded live at the Haribala Mahasabha in Jalandhar by Sarpreet Singh in 2009. Season 2 of Story of the Six is sponsored by the Chardi Kala Foundation, the Sawney Family Foundation, and Manpreet Kaur and Ishdeep Singh. I'm co-producer and audio engineer Erica Wong. In the next episode of The Story of the Six, Teg Bahadur, the youngest son of the late Guru Hargobind, is anointed the ninth Guru of the Six in the face of competing claims by multiple pretenders to the throne of Guru Nanak. Thank you for joining us.